episode 180. And boy, did we ruffle some feathers yesterday with a, just a tweet. That's why I love Twitter sometimes. All you got to do is just send something out and people don't even really know how to take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you see the anger in their lives come out in full effect in a tweet in response. But it's a lot of fun. But anyway, sent out a couple yesterday. One one was a football tweet. Got killed on that one a couple times. Daniel Ricardo Riv. Remember, you know who he is? Big Bills fan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he was saying goodbye to McLaren because he's fucked up another team there. Okay. So he's leaving McLaren. He's he's bounced around. He's he's, you know, anyway, pretty borderline your team killer. I think the guy's a complete knob. So anyway. He loves the Bills and he loves Josh Allen. So, so he's he's you know all the Bills fans out there, they are on, they are very sensitive right now with what's going on with football. But yeah. so there's a picture of of uh Daniel Ricardos in front of all of his his crew members and team and people at uh McLaren as he's taking his final picture with the company, and he's got a Bills hat on. So I just I, I saw I, that, yep. I zoomed in on him circled the bills thing and i sent it out i said if bills fans believe in curses here's your kryptonite. here's your kryptonite <laughs> anyway. i don't, listen i don't like that because i like daniel ricardo okay i like you know i liked um his personality you know i'm obviously watching the f1 on on netflix and i i've loved watching him you don't like him you you think he's irritating and that he's ruining like who who is he with uh, mclaren I think, I think he's just a knob man like the things oh. that he says and how he acts and oh my god so i get this text saying what's your beef with ricardo <laughs> And I guess Patty Coletta just ordered a whole bunch of McLaren shit because he loves the fact that Ricardo loves the Bills. So I got uh, smoked a little bit on that one. But that's not even the best of it. For our Sabre fans that listen to the show and follow the show on Twitter, as we had that heated conversation yesterday with Jeremy Roenick about five hits as they went into Ottawa last night. Yeah. And I just typed out, analytics period with a screenshot of the, of the game and the hits column circled and the sabers hits column circled and oh man well i did go and and do some research if you want to know about the research analytics i believe in analytics i'm not a, I'm, I'm not a uh I'm, I'm certainly not a debbie downer dinosaur uh, non-analytics guy. I believe in the analytics. I think that there's some things that you can definitely use. Definitely and use. Definitely use. I think it's. Uh, I think analytics in today's game, it's it's higher level thinking. Okay, it's it's really getting below the 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 layers that you can see just watching a game, and and I believe in them. And there's some analytics that I don't believe in. Okay, because the analytics don't test a person's heart. They don't test a person's um, character. Okay, on and off the ice when things are good, when things are bad. These are analytics that cannot be measured in in a a person. Um, That being said, there's some things that you can use analytics in 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 uh, in body checks. And I was, you know, I was thrown. I was thrown back. I like I don't even think I've I've heard of a game in NHL history. Okay where a team only had five hits. 
And I was thinking to myself, well, that's, that's, that's crap. You know, maybe it's just a hometown, you know, where the other, oh, actually they're playing at home. So that threw my, my thought out the window. Sabres had five hits the other night, five. I, 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 I don't even know where to start. And then I, I, I went and did some research just to kind of see, you know, you know, maybe it was just an off game, right? Started to look at it a little bit more and realized that uh, it's a trend for the Sabres. So this is a huge trend. The Nashville Predators in 16 games this year, the Nashville Predators have 32 hits a game. Average 32. The Rangers. That's tops of the league. Tops in the league. The Rangers 30, Ottawa 29, Philadelphia 29, Pittsburgh 29, Islanders 28, Washington 28, Calgary 28, Winnipeg 26. And you go all the way to the bottom. The number one team in the league, the 32nd team in hits, 12 and a half, 12.59 hits per game, 12.59. That's four a period. The next team above them, okay, the number 31 team, 16 and a half. So four more than the bottom team at 32, which is New Jersey Devils, by the way. I'm going to throw that out there. And people are like, well, hey, they're the top team in the league. What are you talking about? Well, they're the top team in the league because they have the puck the entire game. Because it's interesting because that was one of the responses that we we received was people were writing, well, the Devils are second uh, to last in hits per game and they're 13 and three. And then someone writes exactly this was their game yesterday against Montreal when they beat them five to one on Tuesday night. And the hits were 25 Montreal to 10 New Jersey. And then you just go and and look at some more of the stats and you think, well, um, they had less giveaways. They had more takeaways. So, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and they win 5-1, to one, and the shots were 39-26. to 26. So if I had to guess, without watching a lick of that game, mm-hmm. I would say that the New Jersey Devils probably controlled the vast majority of that game, and the Montreal Canadiens yeah. were chasing. Yeah, absolutely. And good for them for finishing their checks. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. like... Or at but, least trying to wear them down. So and you look at you look I mean, at last night's game. You can throw me those stats all you want to, but I mean they 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 also mean different things. When you are losing games, and you are in the single digits for hits, or you are getting out hit, and you are losing four, five, six, now seven games in a row, you better be throwing your fucking body around. There, there's a purpose to doing that. There's a, you know, you have to understand it. This is not about being a reckless abandon, going out of your, let's get out of your comfort zone and just start hitting everything in sight for no purpose. Body contact in the game of hockey, in the sport, there's a reason for it. Everything that you do on the ice, whether it's whether it's, you know, positional play, passing, whether it's hitting, whether it's structure in how you forecheck, whether it's structure in the neutral zone when you don't have the puck, everything in this game is basically broken down into small areas, small games, okay? And and hitting, hitting, we're talking about hitting, okay? We're talking about body contact. It's a very small piece of a very big puzzle in order to win a hockey game. But it's very concerning when you look at the analytics 
when you look at the analytics and the Sabres are the 32nd team in the league that hit on average 12 and a half hits a game. Okay. The 31st team is 16 and a half hits a game Four more. I'm not talking about the 25th team. Okay. I'm not talking about the Boston Bruins that have 25 Tampa Bay lightning, 26, you know, Detroit Red, Red Wings are 26 and a half. Edmonton Oilers, 26 and a half. Winnipeg Jets, 26. I'm talking about the the Buffalo Sabres that, have, that we have talked about at length, literally for a decade with me following this team, being in the media, being on a program, a Sabres program for years, okay, and talking about Sabres, now on a podcast we had for a couple of years, and we're talking about the same thing. How is it possible? At what point in time does Kevin Adams start to make a decision on what he has with this group? Well, I'm listen, I'm surprised. Before I even heard that the Sabres were the youngest team in the league with the average age of 25, I think I probably could have predicted that they would have been one of the youngest teams because I think they were one of the youngest two years ago at 26. Mm -hmm. They were adding younger players. When you're adding or having such a young team, it only makes sense to have players that make these kids feel a little more comfortable in, in the lineup. It's not Kyle Oposo. That's your leader. That's the guy that you look at and you say, this is what exemplifies a leader and, and how to prepare for games and stuff. That's great. But you have the youngest team in the league and you don't have one player that can, do I say, do I, do I dare say protect? Do I say protect? Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know, know if, if that's the protect, right word because people are going to take that the wrong way. Protection right, is when, you know, um, you know, the, the old school. So what's the right word up. then? Do you believe in today's game that there are still roles amongst a team? Obviously. Okay. Well, not on this team. There are no, there are no roles. There are just, there's just opportunity to, to be the same player, just be okay. the better one. So I was, I, I said to you this morning when we were going over the lineup, for the Sabres and, and obviously Don Granato is basically sitting there in his office with his coaching staff. And he's ultimately like rolling the dice. Like who should I put on what line? Because no line is working except Tage Thompson, you know, on the power play. Okay. Guy's a lethal weapon. He's played very well. Um, has been consistent in, in producing offense along with Darlene. And other than that, if you're not playing with Tage Thompson, you're not producing points. Okay. And Tage has been, been, he's played very well. The rest of the team has struggled immensely. Okay. They're not getting, they're not getting what they need to be even, even competitive. Okay. We're talking about an Ottawa Senators team last night that, that the Sabres just played. You have to understand this. It's a team that has struggled immensely this year. They won 4-1. Yeah, but you know what, though? A few teams have struggled this year, and they're starting to come on. And, you know, it's not like 
Ottawa was a team that I think we all expected to be a lot better. And yep. they Sabres beat them in the season opener. You know, they, they also had, lost one of their top players. They also lost Norris, who is it was would be essentially like us losing Tage Thompson. Right. So so if we were to lose Tage Thompson at the start of the year, like Ottawa lost Norris, where would this team be at? That's what you need to ask yourself. So when you're talking about Ottawa and you're talking about, well, like, you know, they're they're grossly underachieving. And listen, they brought in some 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 great players. They brought in Claude Giroux, who has actually played quite well. He has 16, he has 17 points in 16 games. Tim Stutzel has 17 points in 16 games. He's a super young kid. Debrinket, 14 points in 16 games. But they lost arguably their best player in Josh Norris. Okay. And once you lose a player like that, it's extremely hard to, to cover that up. Okay. And, and I, and I believe and it's just my opinion. I believe that's why they have struggled so much because I don't think that they have the depth yet. They have some younger players that are still developing and it is what it is. And, and they've, they've, struggled. they have a, they have a nice looking roster though. They're, they're solid. Yep. They're not a solid a, roster. Not a terrible team. I mean, it's that they're a team that's on the rise. That's for sure. But that's a game that Buffalo should have won last night. Well, why? Why should we have won that? Before last night, Ottawa was in in basically last place in the league. They were tied with Columbus and Anaheim with eleven points. They were in the they were the lowest team in the league. The Sabers have lost to um the Vancouver Canucks who are currently sitting the third lowest team in the league. The Sabres got beat at home against Vancouver. At home. These are the lowest teams in the league. They're, they, we've already played some of the top These are teams. the teams that we said they had to beat in order to show their growth. So what, are, so what are we talking about here? This isn't just about hits. You know, and we started talking about this because it's it's been a, a regular trend, you know, with the team and how soft they are. But, I mean, look at their power play. Their power play is, and I'm I'm I am the last person that should be talking about the power play. But when your power play goes over three one game, and what did they have last night? I mean, they they took away a lot of their chances on the power play by getting penalties. I know that there was an, a lot of power play opportunity, and we and we both know that you know in in games like this when you're playing a team that um, has struggled themselves in Ottawa. When when they're taking these high sticking penalties over and over, like there was like three high sticking penalties throughout the game, like they had eight opportunities. You need to be better than than one for eight if you want to have an opportunity to win hockey games. That's just the way it is. Okay, so if what's you capitalize Don- on those, then the game changes. What's Don Granado doing right now? <clears throat> he's not first, a he's not a guy that loses it is he no no i think don granado understands what he's dealing with too like i mean don granado is not coaching the tampa bay lightning don granado is in a very very different situation he has a tremendous amount of youth how many players on the team are under the age of 21 so you have peyton krebs who you're not relying on to to show to get out of this, you have Dylan Cousins, who, you know, we tend to forget that he's only 21 years old. You have 
JJ Paterka that's on the team who's 20. He's literally a baby. You have um Owen Power, who's to me has been absolutely but aren't we doing now the same thing we were doing seven years ago? Yeah, by we were. Ins- yeah, we are. Inserting all these young players and letting yep. them letting them develop in a losing environment. Yep. Like yep. I, like Zemgus was one of them. Ras Ras. Do you have any problem with JJ Paterka? Dorov was one of them. Reinhardt was one of them. Jack was one of them. How many other young players am I forgetting that that have come through here? And do and you have Mar- a Mark- problem Nick with JJ Paterka? was one of them. Like. It's just year after year after year, multiple, multiple young players. Like Krebs should be in the minors. Krebs, Krebs should be in the minors. Uh, like Jack Quinn should be in the minors. How come you don't have other players? Why didn't you sign other players? It's okay if Krebs isn't in the lineup this year. Yeah, they, signed, force... they signed Vinny Henestrosa. Yeah. You don't have to force feed Krebs into the lineup because of the Jack trade. You don't have to do that. You don't have to force Quinn into the lineup because he needs games in the NHL. These spots should be used by players who actually can give you 60 consistent games in the league, not young kids, not at this time. It's like Owen Power. You know, we got Owen Power coming in. You got Samuelson coming in. It's like we have so many guys that are just out of the fucking world juniors. It's absolutely, it's, it's insane to think. You know who we were shitting on uh, a couple games ago? I mentioned this probably about a week and a half ago. Who? A player in the league, a well-known player, especially here in Buffalo. Ryan O'Reilly. Struggling, was struggling more than you can imagine. Had In 10 games, Ryan O'Reilly had one goal, zero assists. They His won team... His team was currently last place in the NHL at the time. And we were thinking to ourselves, like, I think this is the year that they're, that they're going to roll over. They're done. They're going to have to trade away all their guys because they're playing like complete dog shit. And they're just not performing to their abilities. And even though they have a really good team, they're not performing. So maybe they're going to trade guys. So. In 10 games, Ryan O'Reilly had one goal and zero assists. In five games, he has six points, and the team has won four games in a row. And and, and you ask yourself, well, how'd they get out of that? How'd they get out of that? They're relying on Braden Shens, the Tarasenko's, the Ryan O'Reilly, the uh, Pavel Bushnevich, um, you're, you're relying on Noel Achari. These are guys that are, are are veteran type players. The Justin Falks, they're relying on those guys. It's it's more a much much more of a veteran uh, team. And understand that the calmness you're going to have your ebbs and flows. Right, you're going to have your flows throughout the season. Never get too high, but never get too low. Here in Buffalo, we've seen this as a constant. We've seen great starts to a season, and then we've seen some adversity. And the problem is, who is supposed to step up? Well, I can tell. I mean, that's that's easy. I can tell you who who we expect to step up. Well, name name me a couple players that you would expect for Buffalo to step up 
Ver- and here's the thing. It's not just on the ice. It's Jeff Skinner, Alex Tuck. Um, Those are your first two guys? Yeah. I, well, nope. you know, like. No you know, way, man. Listen. No. Should start with one guy. One guy should be the first one out of your mouth. I don't know who. You fucking get, you're telling me right now you're going to start with Jeff Skinner? That's the first guy you talked about? You well, got to be I use. Me. I only say him. No, no, no. Because, I want you on. to understand who is the number one guy, the very first guy, and number, number two is a 1B, and those are the guys that are going to help talk about things, make sure that players have the right attitudes and understanding, and not let them get too low and all this kind of stuff. On Who's this it start team? With? Yes. Kyle Oposo. Boom. There's okay. number one. He's okay. not playing. I thought you were talking. Oh, yes, he's not playing. And number okay. two, Who's Craig number Anderson. Two? No. Well, oh. yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a 1C, 1B. Who's the other guy? He's a glaring, uh-huh. glaring guy. Zemgus. Zemgus Gergensen played fucking the least amount of minutes last night in Ottawa. Six, six minutes? Six minutes. You got Anders Bjork playing nine minutes, nine and a half minutes. You got Zemgis Gergensen playing six minutes. What did I say to you before we started today? I don't know. I said a lot of shit was said. said, Like I lost my shit before this goddamn show. So I could calm myself. I said I would if I were Don Granado, I would be putting Zemgis Gergensen's on the top line with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. And I don't know why that hasn't been done yet. You need some energy on those lines too, you know. Like those guys can't do it all by themselves. Jeff Skinner's mm-hmm. not adding anything. Okay. And then you said, What what do you do with Skinner? And I said, I don't know. Find a spot for him in the lineup. Or I said, you know what? Wouldn't even hurt sometimes to send a message to your to your young players that veterans can sit on the, a game in the press box too. So, you know, there's there's that, there's that avenue as well. But and that's the other thing too. Don Granado doesn't bench anybody. He doesn't sit players. There's no repercussions for mistakes in a game. I mean, it is like, it is free reign to go out there and make mistakes. Name me the last player he's benched in a game. I don't know, but he doesn't want to hurt feelings. This is a young team. He doesn't want to lose confidence. He doesn't want to. You're not um, serious when you say that. I'm dead serious. Don't tell me that you're, you don't want, you don't want to hurt. You don't want to hurt feelings. No, I listen. Are I'm you talking about Don Granado? I'm talking about Don Granado. Guys need to sit. I mean, there's fear. Just... Maybe is not the right word because you're not trying to make guys fear. You're you're trying to talking... have accountability. Not ta- accountability. Call, that accountability. I, I'm not ta- fear of not playing. Fear of getting benched. That's embarrassment. That's that's like. But are you trying to embarrass them again? Oh We're, my this God! Is, if you don't deserve to play, you shouldn't be playing. I, I mean, simple as that. You're talking to a guy that was benched many times. Yeah, I'm sitting here to saying it has been long enough. When are you going to start to to punish? Is benching punishing players? Is that too hard? Listen, I'm not the guy that loved the rough and tough coach either, but at the same time, I I still know that there, like you said, accountability and there are repercussions for effort, mistakes, certain mistakes. It's not even benching players. I mean, uh, uh, what my my biggest thing is when you watch, you know, we're 17 games into the season. You know, Kevin Adams, his staff, his coaching staff, the assistant coaches, you know, Marty Wilford and 
and uh and Christy and and Ellis all sit and they have opinions, dialogue. I hope that they don't all agree, okay? Because if you're all agreeing, then that's fucking ridiculous, okay? You need different opinions, different thoughts so you can get to the bones of things and try and make make things right. You think the assistant some coaches point are in having time, any any input on this? I think that there I think that there's uh I think that there's a lot of dialogue. I I I know that Kevin Adams is 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 a person that wants people to be open. I think he wants people to say what they need to say what even if it's going against the grain of what the um you know the 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 trend of thought is. And I hope that these guys are just trying to figure out who are, who are who are guys that are staying and who are going. You get the chalkboard out, you write names down, and you say, "Listen, we need to find out what what are guys that are staying and what are guys that are going." Like like right away, you're looking at JJ Paterka and guys like um, you know Jack Quinn. Like these guys are staying. These guys are staying. They're 20 and 21 years old. They have, they have a very, very bright future. They're just very young, very naive, and they are going to continue to get a lot better with years to come. But there's players that have been on this team for years. I don't think Kevin Adams needs to understand how much more he's waiting and understanding on certain players. And and what you need to understand is every single player on this roster, every single player on the roster is an NHL hockey player. Some are some are top end NHL hockey players. Some have skill sets that are elite, okay? But what you need to understand is the game of hockey is a really awesome sport, okay? It's an awesome sport because it's made up of a 23. Most teams have 23 men. Okay. You have, you have um, 12 forwards that play on a nightly basis, six defensemen and two goaltenders in that, in those 18 skaters that are on the ice, you need to understand that it's a beautiful game because you need goal scorers. You need playmakers. You need penalty killers. You need physical players. You need energy players. You need guys that have veteran calming influence on a team. There's, there's, there's puzzle pieces that fit together to make successful teams. After the game on Wednesday night, this is from Mike Harrington tweeted out uh, on the 15th. After the game, Granado, uh, perhaps as stern as we've seen him since he's been coach, uh, Sabres expectations are clearly higher now, and this kind of performance won't cut it. Quote, unquote, we'll push through it. They learn from their mistakes. This will make them better, but it doesn't lessen any disappointment. We'll push through it. What does this mean? What are you pushing through? The, the, like the, the problem is how your team plays and the makeup of the players and how this team plays is not a winning recipe. But how what is that? What does that mean? They're trying to be fast and skilled, quick transition, you know, s- speed, which is great and it showed well at the start of the year, but I think really good teams, every team can do that now. Look at Arizona. I think every team can do that. 
This this team has one way of playing. They can't alter. They can't adjust. They can't go head-to-head with the team in the physicality department. They can't generate enough in the offensive zone because their forecheck sucks. Well, they don't have players that know the roles. I'm going to tell you this. My but these players of can't the- do some of the roles that, that you need them to do. That's the problem. Well, that, he- you're wrong. Uh, okay. And I'm going to give you an example. Give me an example. Name me the difference between Rasmus Asplund, who is playing on the fourth line center position, than our second line left winger. Probably nothing. Zero. That's a problem. That's where I'd, that's I'd be, where the team is at. The fourth line center is probably a better left winger than the second and third line left wingers. Right? That's where we're at with this team. That's why there's no identity because they don't have an identity. Right now, there is no roles for 75% of the forwards right now on the Sabres. Because I'll tell you this, Rasmus Asplund, who's a fourth-line centerman, is arguably better than our second-line right winger or left winger. That's a problem. That's a problem. And that's what I'm talking about. Who's our second-line center? Do we know who the second-line center is yet, or is, or is Kevin and his staff still waiting to figure that out? Have we figured that out, that Dylan Cousins is the guy? Okay, we'll start to support Dylan Cousins with proper players. And that's not fucking Victor Olsen, okay? Victor Olsen's going to be a successful player in this league, but it should be on another team. And once you, once you can start to identify exactly who your guys are moving forward, Jack Quinn's going to be a great player in this league. He's going to be successful. He's going to put points up, and he's going to score goals. And he's super young. And so is J.J. Paterka. Okay, live and die with their struggles because they're going to struggle. That's just, that's just the way it is. Okay. That's not okay. It's, it's not okay. It wasn't it okay is, going into it this is, year. It is if, if your fan base and the organization fan understand, base is losing their shit. Yeah. Because, because no, when's the last time you heard from Kevin, we're sinking here, but we just need a lifeline. We just need communication. And and Kevin's the greatest communicator of all time. He is absolutely exceptional at it. He has a vision. I know he does. I know he does. I believe in what he is, what he is thinking. He wants to be patient. This is not the time. This is not the time to throw a panic button in. This is not the time. They're on a seven-game losing streak. Eventually, they will get out of it and win a game. They do have a tremendous amount of skill. They have more skill on this team than I've seen in, in 10 years, an entire decade. It's the best team that, that I have seen skill-wise. We do not have players that understand their roles in the team yet. That is still being figured out by the play and the maturity of the players moving forward. But right now, I can tell you that there's certain players that I would be moving out 100% immediately. So this is their schedule. They have Toronto on Saturday in Toronto, and then they Good have Mont- Montreal on the 22nd. Good I luck. Sh- Montreal's that, playing very well. I mean, tough team to play against right now. That, I think, is their most winnable game of the next... Well, let me tell you their schedule coming up here. Um, Toronto, Montreal, home to St. Louis. So they have a back-to-back. They go Montreal and then home to St. Louis. Then they're home that Friday, next Friday to New Jersey. And then they have Tampa Bay Lightning on Monday. 
They finish off the month of November with a road game in Detroit. They then have start the month of December the next night against the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. And then two days after that or three days after that, they play San Jose. What what is the what what do you believe is the one thing right now that Don Granado's coaching staff needs to try and work with, fix power play. Point to all the holes that you want, but special teams wins and loses you games. But I think any team can beat any team five on five. And I don't know how they fix that. Okay. But- and 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 that's uh that's a good one. Because I think that they do have, I think they have a skilled unit. Okay. They have the pieces that can be very successful on the power play. The way they move the puck around, they have a, they have a massive shot in Tage Thompson, one timer on one side. You have a Victor Olson, who's a power play specialist on the other, who hasn't quite played to his potential yet. You have Rasmus Dahlin, who is one of the best in the world at running a power play. Okay. So they have, they have the ingredients of of being very successful. You know, Alex Tuck in front of the net is is a very big man. He's got great skills. Like they have the guys to do it. They just need to figure out other plays than feeding Tage Thompson for a one timer and setting him up. I understand it. It's very dangerous, but they need. Let me explain this because when you look at the greatest player of all time on the power play, I'm gonna I'm I'm. I'm going to throw it out there. It's Alex Ovechkin. He's been the most dangerous player on the power play ever. And when you watch the way they run their power play, Alex Ovechkin barely touches the puck. It's almost like he's, he stays on the offside. He's out of sight, out of mind. And when they were at their, at their, at their best, they had Kunetsov who is down low. Okay, not in front of the net. He was down low. They had Backstrom, who was on the half boards. They had a one-timer from the point in Carlson. And they also had TJ Oshie on that in, in the middle. Okay, so there was a lot of interplay on the one side with the four guys. Carlson, the defenseman, to Backstrom, to Kanetsov. And here's the thing. Everybody kind of forgot about number eight. They forgot about Ovi. And they moved around on one side. And then the puck went boom, boom, boom to the other side for a one-timer because the power play had to slide and protect the other side of the ice. The Sabres do the exact opposite. Everybody knows where the puck is going because they're a one-trick pony right now. They're literally, let's set up, let's move the puck around and just set up Tage Thompson for a one-timer. There needs to be more interplay, more movement on the other side to take pressure away from Tage Thompson. If that's what you're trying to fix, that's what you're trying to go with. So the power play can be altered a little bit to take the focus off Tage Thompson. So when you actually do need him and you can put him in a good situation for the, for the shot, the other players aren't in good position to defend it. You want to ask me what I think needs to, needs to be altered and changed. Sure. Hold on. What do you think needs to be altered and changed? Most important thing right now, for me, power play, that's a good one. But for me, it's not the power play. For me, it's the attitude of, of, of the player, the young player. This is a young team, okay? It's a really young team. And whatever has to happen behind closed doors to make these guys feel 
that, listen, we're in one. We're okay. Let's do this together and not deviate into your own plan because you think your plan is going to be better than what the team's plan is. There needs to be calmness. There needs to be understanding of this is how we need to play on a nightly basis every single night in order to be successful. Which which game is the perfect example of that as of late? There hasn't been one. And that's why we're talking about that right now. You have a team that when we talked about this before, we talked about who, who is this team relying on? Okay. And you look at the very first person, Kyle Oposo is going to be relied upon behind closed doors, talking to players, going out to lunch with these guys, calming them down. Then you have Zemmix Gergensen, longest standing saber player. Okay. Energy they need, they need him to step up. But other than that, I mean, who the hell are you going? Who do you have on this roster? You don't. Alex Tuck's 25, man. He's he's young himself, too. I know he's not young, young, but we're talking about Alex Tuck. The team has struggled. Okay. Alex Tuck has struggled. You have to understand how much Alex Tuck means to this team right now. If he struggles and if he continues to play the way he is, the team is not going to win hockey games because you need your best players to play at their highest level to be able to win each and every night. Because here's the the thing. Alex Tuck is not playing on the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's not Nikita Kucherov, okay? If Nikita Kucherov has a, a stretch of five games where he's not playing well, Nikita Kucherov is in a situation where he can not sit back and not panic about his game because he knows that he's going to be supported by, you know, Braden Point, Steve Stamkos, Alex Kalorn, and it just goes on and on and on and on in Tampa Bay. They have players that are deep veteran guys that understand the ebbs and flows of a long, long season. Here in Buffalo, if Alex Tuck literally is not playing elite hockey each and every game, who's he gonna who's he gonna put that on? Is he gonna look for Rasmus Asplin, Hayden Krebs, you know, Casey Middlestat, Cousins, Turka, Quinn? These are all kids. They're all young. They're all young guys. It is what it is right now. But the mindset of these players are are is is what needs to be, you know, channeled the most. Things suck. Things suck right now. I'm sure the dressing room is not a happy environment. Okay. They felt this before. They've felt this in the past for many years. It's the brain that's going to get them out of this. It's not the bronze. It's not the hitting. Okay, it's not the hitting that's going to get this out of hitting is a a small aspect of the game that you need in order to to win hockey games. They need to channel their their confidence, their their inner selves to do it together. There needs to be a collective group in there that just understand that things are not going well right now. And the only thing they they can do is not look at the end result of a game against who's their next game, Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto. 
They can't look at the end result. They can't say, we need to go and win this hockey game. That's not how you're going to win the hockey game. You need to understand, look at each individual, look at yourself and say, I need to do what I need to do. I need to have my energy level. I need to have my awareness. I need to have, take care of myself on and off the ice to give myself to the team so I can give my best. And I'm going to take it shift by shift, period by period. And if all of those things add up and you play the way you should, then you will win. You will win hockey games. You will get out of this. So inspirational, Craig. Well, think of the players that are in the room because you were there at one point in time. I know. I've lost seven in a row. I've been on a team that's lost this many. I know exactly what's going on there. I know you have. Fuck, of course you have. You've been in this. You played a lot longer than I have. I'm just saying. I think a lot of this comes down to coaching more than it does the players, to be honest with you. I know you say the mental psyche and everything. completely disagree with you. Okay. That's what I love about this. And you actually believe that. I know you do. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think with a team like this, it's on a coach to help guide them through this. It's kind of what, what this is all about. You know, Don Granado has been a part of this and he's done a lot of great things with a lot of players, but I'll tell you right now, Don Granado is, has been coaching the same type of player for years. Okay. And right now, if I was Don Granado, I'd be marching up to Kevin's office, sitting down and saying, can we, can we have a conversation? Can we have a conversation about my roster? Now, I don't want you to blow the roster up and trade 12 guys. Just need one or two changes that I think I don't could think elevate the energy that. of our, our team. I don't know if Don Granado believes that. I don't think he believes that. I think he likes I, the type of players that he I think has. He does. I don't. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Uh, because I think that the style that he coaches doesn't call for the types of players that you are expecting him to go up and ask for style that he explained to me his style fast skilled try to beat the team other teams with the legs and not the brawn side of it that's that's what i think is he the one is he the one um building the roster Oh uh, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this part with you. I, I, I'm. Well, you, you got. You're, you're basically so telling me that. Are you his, telling me going into the season that Kevin Adams and Don Granado did not have a conversation? Like, are you telling me that going into the season that anybody who follows this team or knows these players could look and say this is not the roster to do it? Like, you have. Why do you have high such high expectations with this team? Yeah, I mean, fans feel it. I'm sure the coaching staff feels it. I'm sure Kevin Adams feeling it. I know the players, I guarantee, are feeling it. I've been there before. I've done that before. I've been in the locker room trying to um, be a young player. I was a a young player and learning from the older players. I was also an old player trying to help, you know, throw a little water on the fire here so we can kind of diffuse some of this. And listen, I mean, these are all learning experiences moving forward. The problem is this team has had this going on for quite some time now. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.